I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast, where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. After experiencing a breast health scare and was told all her tests were fine, Catherine Spear began researching on her own because she knew something wasn't right. She found thermography and a turning point in her life, a soul-defining moment, as she calls it. Taking responsibility for her health, she decided to give up her stressful job, open a thermography clinic, and now she is passionate and on a mission to help women with the healthy breast movement. Today, we talk about her personal journey, what is thermography, and how she is helping women to have healthy breasts. Please note, we talk about breast health issues that could be a trigger for some. Also, Catherine is not a doctor and neither am I, but we both share our health experiences, knowledge, and opinions. This episode is not to replace medical health advice. Catherine Spear, welcome to Soul Sister Conversations. Hello, Dana. Thank you. Well, I'm delighted to connect with you in this way. And you and I actually got to connect in a really unusual way. We're actually old classmates, and I don't even like to use the word old, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I walked into this networking event that I was at, and I saw this woman that caught my attention, like something within me resonated. And I, you know, through uh, just sitting and thinking about it through the night of that approaching, we realized we went to school together. So we haven't seen each other, at least since high school graduation, which... 32 years ago. Wow. Was it really that long? (laughs) (laughs) But I was so happy to meet you because you were on a panel and you were talking about, you were talking about self-love and you were talking about your, your new venture, uh, your new business that you started right before the pandemic, which is called Thermography Clinic NB, which we'll be talking about. And, And you are a certified clinical thermographic technician and manager. And you're on a mission to transform statistics and women's fear of breast cancer into empowerment uh, of prevention through risk assessment, education, knowledge, and fun. Oh, my God, fun. Can this be fun? <laughs> yeah, it absolutely can be. <laughs> and, but, you know, you had another life before this uh, new venture because you actually have a health scare or a turning point yourself, um, which is so pivotal to what you do now. And I'm just curious if you'd share what what your story is. Absolutely. And thank you, Dana, um, for this today because it's, it's so important, right? And um, I, too, was thrilled to be able to meet with you on that that evening as well but so just a little bit about you know my background so I spent um, 19 years in the corporate business world as a senior director and so um, you know of course along comes with that is you know it's a high stress job I did a lot of traveling um, across the world and um, you know was a single mom raised two kids at the same time And I always knew that I had so much more to give. I was always passionate about helping people. From the time I was a little girl, I can so remember that. My mom used to say, you know, if there was a a broken animal or a hurt animal, I should say, or somebody that was in tears, you know, you'd always find me there. (laughs) So so I always loved that. And I always knew that at some point in my life that once I raised my kids, that um, there would be a point in my life that I would do something else other than stay in the corporate world that really fueled my soul, that fueled my passion. Um, Lo and behold, (laughs) um, along came a breast health scare. 
So I was um, away at uh, in a different country and woke up one morning with my left breast on fire. And so I, of course, I cut the trip short. I came home. It wasn't like a normal burn, um, you know, that actually happens. And I hadn't been feeling well leading up to this. My dad had passed away. We had moved my mom, sold, you know, our childhood home. There was lots of stress happening. I just recently remarried, you know, so you're combining two families. So there's all these things. And as women, we often attribute how we're feeling to the fact that, you know, we're, it's lack of sleep or a little bit of extra stress and we just continue pushing through. Hmm. Um, and so when this had happened, I came home and had like a mammogram and an ultrasound done, had my blood work done. Um, to be told that everything looked fine. But I knew that it wasn't fine because of how I was feeling. And this burning. And how were you feeling? Uh, you, like you said, it was just, were you tired? You were fatigued? Yeah, I was, I was really, I was t- more tired than normal. Um, I'm a very high energy person. I have been since I think my mom said I committed her womb. <laughs> I was like that. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden, you know, over the course of about 18 months, I was just really tired. I could wake up after sleeping eight hours. And within an hour after getting up, I could go back to bed and go to sleep again. Um, it didn't matter what I did. I was just really lethargic. Um, I had started to gain some weight around my midsection, which was not normal for me without anything else changing. Um, and my emotions were really, uh, high and not the norm for me. And so of course, you know, you think, okay, you're getting older, it's, you know, perimenopause, or it's this, or it's that, right? Again, you try to label things without actually, you know, investigating. Sure. And and again, I attribute it going back to, you know, my dad had passed away, he had been sick for quite a few years. You know, there was lots of upheaval there on, you know, his sickness and disease that he had. And of course, you know, you're worried about your mom and, uh, you know, you, you remarry and you integrate, try to integrate two different families. And it was just, there was just a lot going on. And the business that I was in at the time too, was extremely busy. I was opening up two new call centers um, in two different countries. So it was very stressful. So of course you're always attributing it to that. Um, So when I came home and got the testing done and my blood work came back with everything was within range, um, I was really concerned because I knew how I was feeling. And I knew that it wasn't normal. And being somebody that has always loved to study in the integrative medicine field, holistic field, I knew that my body was trying to tell me something. And I had a lot of the symptoms of hypothyroidism. So I was really surprised when my blood work came back that it was all within range. Mm -hmm. So I did my research and went to Toronto and had thermography done. So how did you come across thermography <laughs> and decide to do that as a way to figure out something to do with your thyroid? So it wasn't necessarily my thyroid as what I found it. It was more my breast because I was I was really nervous about what was happening in my left breast. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, there was just this burning that just would not go away. And it just felt heavier than my right breast. And even though everything came back that it was fine in that first initial one, I just, I just knew that there was something more. So I researched again, I'm a researcher and I don't take no for an answer very easily. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm always looking for solutions, right. And that's kind of why I was successful in the 
corporate world is because, you know, there was no challenge that didn't have a solution to it. So I took Mm. my health in the same regard. And so I went to Toronto and I had my thermography done, um, my breast and my dental cranial thyroid. And through that, I found out that I absolutely had some dysfunction in my left breast. Um, so thermography, and I know we'll get into this a little bit, but it, you know, it shows where there's inflammatory markers. Um, it'll show where there is, um, dysfunction. So thermography looks at the functional side. So how is your body functioning? We call that the physiological side of the body, right? So physiological means how is it working? So in addition to that, my thyroid was cold. So that is suggestive of hypothyroidism. So when I took my results and I came back home, I met with my doctor. So you had a um, a thermography scan of your thyroid, not your breasts at that time in Toronto? No, I had both done. I had both, both my done. breast and my thyroid done. And so my breast had showed that there was fibrocystic activity. Did you know that? There, no, I did not. <laughs> I did not know that because that's not something that shows up on a mammogram or an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I also had hormonal influence happening in my breast tissue as well. And knowing that, you know, 87% of all breast cancers are HR2 positive, which is hormonally driven, that concerned me. So I knew then that there's hormonal imbalances happening in my body. And, um, you know, at this point now it was showing up in my thermography scan, my thyroid was showing as cold. So, you know, fast forward, I came home, I met with my, my then family doctor and, um, you know, it was quite interesting. We had a great conversation and speaking about my thyroid, we'll talk about that real quick is that, you know, what she shared with me is that Catherine, your thyroid is not in disease stage yet. I can't help you until your thyroid is in disease stage and you're not in disease stage. Gosh. But if I compared my thyroid results to previous years of you know, where I was, it was tracking towards disease stage, Mm. right? So because it wasn't at disease stage yet, there was nothing they could do. And again, that's not anything wrong with the doctor or what she's doing, because remember, medical doctors are trained for emergency medicine and disease management. That's not something that we've been taught, right? That it's, Mm you know, they're there to help us with disease management. They're there to help us with emergency medicine, with emergency surgeries. Um, But as far as prevention, that's, that's not part of the platform. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had a great discussion about my breast thermography scan as well. And she was very familiar with thermography. So I was very happy that she was um, and understood it. Um, and so from that, but not because, um, that's something that they can recommend though, right? It is not right. It is not. But she knew what it was. Thermography is not diagnostic. Okay. Thermography right. is medical imaging, but it is not diagnostic. So it is an, an, you know, they call it an adjunctive tool. So basically it's an additional tool that you can use to look at how your body is functioning and also to look at where there's inflammation. And thermography is the only tool that actually can see the inflammation in the body. And it's interesting because, you know, as you start to get into this and you start to really look under the hood of thermography and you understand that 
where there is inflammation left untreated and it becomes, you know, more cyclical and more advanced, that's where diseases start Mm. is from inflammation that's left untreated because you may not know that there's inflammation in the body. Right. Um, And of course, there's always a little bit of inflammation in your body because that's how our immune system works. But I'm talking about the higher levels of inflammation that is a key indicator that something is amiss, right? Something is starting to go amiss in the body and you want to get ahead of that before disease stage. So with me, um, understanding that I had that happening in my breast tissue and I knew that there was hormonal influence happening, I knew now that my thyroid was also cold. It allowed me the knowledge to make an informed decision about my healthcare. I then sought out the help of my homeopathic doctor. I took my results to him. Um, I, in addition to that, also went to see a naturopathic doctor and had an additional blood panel of blood work done because those blood, you know, when you pay for that type of blood work, it actually comes back with some um, deeper analysis. So I did that and worked with my homeopathic doctor in many facets of my well-being. So one, we had to address the thyroid right away because thyroid also controls hormones. It is. So was that the connection between, was there a connection between your thyroid and the burning and all that was going on in your life? So yeah, there was a whole lot going on, right? But every single one of those were connected. So, Mm. you know, I had thyroid issues, which remember thyroid also controls hormone, right? In the body. Um, It also impacts mental, emotional. Okay. But it also impacts because it impacts, it impacts, um, hormones, it also can have an impact on breast tissue. But in addition to that, my stress levels are very high. My cortisol levels were very high because I was constantly in that fight or flight mode between my corporate job, raising my children all those years, and then, you know, dad passing away. So my cortisol levels and my adrenal glands were constantly in the fight or flight, which does not help the body, right, to regulate and become in a state of homeostasis. So having, you know, the thyroid off, I also had gut health issues happening. So I found out that I was gluten intolerant. I was also allergic to casein, which is an every animal milk product. Mm -hmm. Um, So gut health also has a very large part in your breast health as well, too. So Mm -hmm knowing that. And then I also had fibrocystic breasts. So then my iodine levels were low because, you know, cystic breasts um, can be a lead indicator. And I'm not saying that it is for everybody, right? Because I'm not a doctor, but I'm I'm sharing my story Um, can be a lead indicator for iodine deficiency, which is what I also had. So you can see all the little pieces were happening over a course of where I didn't start feeling very well. Sure. But of course, I was in that fight or flight and everything was happening so fast in my personal life and my business life that I was not paying attention. So it took my breast to be on fire. And when I say it was on fire, I woke up thinking that the room I was in was actually on fire and that my skin was burning. That's that's the wow. intensity of that burning that was happening. Um, and so that's what then led me into this passionate <laughs> drive Um to bring this to the Atlantic provinces. So again, I shared that I always knew that there was something bigger um, that I wanted to do to help people in my, 
you know, life Mm -hmm. once, you know, my kids were out of school and they're on our own. Never did I suspect that I would be doing something like this (laughs) or nor did I expect that there would be, you know, a a health scare, a breast health scare that would rock my world into something that I fell so passionately about, Mm -hmm. Um, which then led me to talking to Dr. Mostavoy, who is the board certified um, thermography person that's responsible for, he's got clinics all over Canada, South America, um, and the U.S. as well. And so there started some really deep conversations and investigation on, you know, would thermography be a good fit for the Atlantic provinces? Because I truly fell in love with this technology. Um, Far too often, we don't understand what's happening in our bodies from a prevention perspective, and then people fall into disease. And I, like so many other men and women and children, know firsthand of people who have breast cancer Mm. or shocking diseases that all of a sudden they have diagnosis on that had no idea. And now they're into disease management. So I wanted to do something um, to help support the education and the empowerment of people to take their health into their own hands and really get a good understanding of what's happening in the body from an inflammation perspective and or a functional perspective so that they too can step into their power and, and, you know, help their bodies heal before a disease sets in. And most specifically women uh, with, you know, breast cancer. So yeah, that's really your, your focus is to really help this area. It really is um, because, you know, breast cancer rates continue to climb. Um, You know, we all know the statistics. It's when one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer. And what frustrates me, and I'm going to speak very openly here, what frustrates me, and this is based on me doing a lot of research, reading a lot of great books by former oncologists that are also trying to break the silence that in 50 years of this one doctor, Dr. Raza, she was the author of the book, The First Cell, incredible book. And, you know, she states in there in 50 years of her doing her practice, and she was from New York, she said that nothing had changed in how they treated cancer patients, nothing. Mm. It's still the poison slash burn. And those are her words. Mm. And I'm not saying that the medical industry is not doing the best they can, but here's where my passion comes, Dana, is that nowhere have we as women or young teenagers ever been taught about healthy breasts. And what does that mean? Mm. If you Google, and I encourage any of your listeners that are listening, just, you know, take a second here now and go to Google and type in breast health. All you will see is breast cancer, breast cancer, breast cancer. And so for me, it's not just about thermography, okay? Yes, this is a tool that we use to see how the breast is functioning. It is not a tool to detect breast cancer. And I want to make sure that your listeners are very clear on that. In no way, shape, or form does thermography detect breast cancer. It does not. The only way that you can detect breast cancer is you have to have a needle biopsy. 
in Canada so far, right? There's other technologies that are being developed and I hope that they come available soon. Um, but that is the only way that you can detect breast cancer and nowhere anywhere in my clinic do we say that thermography can detect breast cancer. It does not. What it detects is where there's inflammation, where there is dysfunction. When we see things like that happen, we will always recommend that a woman follow up with her doctor and have a structural test done. And a structural test is a mammogram or an ultrasound. Mm. Okay. So I'll get back into the technology part of it here in a minute, but I really want to talk, Dana, about the breast health piece because, you know, as I went through this, I have learned so much in the last three years and the incredible doctors that I am so blessed to work with, naturopathic doctors, homeopathic doctors, um, you know, board certified thermologists that have been doing this for a very long time. Um, cardiologists, you know, Dr. Thomas Levy, he's a, an incredible uh, cardiologist out of the U S Dr. You know, Veronica Desaulnier, a former Canadian, you know, she's in the U S now she's an incredible doctor that I get the pleasure of, you know, of, of interviewing and following her, um, journey and understanding, you know, from doctors about women's breast health. And I can tell you that a lot of things that I've uncovered, you know, I found myself nights researching and reading their manuscripts and their books and going, my gosh, I wish I had been taught this at a younger age. Mm. There's so much knowledge out there, Dana, about how you look after your breast. And I think it was, I'm going to quote you for a second. You had said to me one day, we were talking about this and you had said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing what you said, but but yeah. you shared with me and it resonated because you said, you know, Catherine, you, you never think about your breast, right? You, you exercise your body or you think about, oh, you might, know, my, my feet are hurting. So I got to take care of that. Or, um, you know, you go for massage therapy, what have you, Sure, but you don't, you don't resonate to saying, oh, you know what? My breasts are here. They're part of who I am. They're my nurturing part of who I am and I need to take care of them. We just put our breasts in bras and <laughs> stuff them in and get going. Yeah, stuff them in and get going, right? <laughs> and I've I've had women say to me, um, again, you know, very verbally and said the same thing. And the fact that you know, I just yeah, put my bra on away I go, or they're you know my significant other's play toy, right? Right. Um, and they're not. There's so much more than that. They are a key piece of being a woman. They are a key piece of who we are as nurturers and. Mm. there's so much mental and emotional um, things that happen along with our breast tissue. And it's not just physical, but there's also an emotional and mental component there as well too. Right. So, and trauma, you know, has an impact on the breast tissue because again, as part of being a woman, it's part of who you are from a nurturing perspective. So during trauma, your part of you that is the nurturer is not being nurtured. And that also can have an impact on breast health. So, you know, there's the physical piece, there's the mental, emotional, spiritual piece. Um, there's the, you know, the well-being piece. There's just so many pillars that make up not only a healthy body, but also healthy breasts. And you want to actually start something called, if I'm getting this right, correct me if I'm wrong, that the healthy breast movement. That right? is correct. Yes. So yeah, and and I think that's very empowering because, as you just sort of paraphrase from me, um, you know, I don't think we 
have any other avenues to talk about her breasts other than breastfeeding, sex, or cancer. And, you know, if you asked me to Google anything around breast, I wouldn't do it because I'd be scared of what <laughs> comes up because that's all that we ever get is scared, scared around breasts. And the fact that you even add it in your mission that you actually want to make this fun. And you actually, I actually got this done. You offered this up to me as a, uh, an opportunity in advance of this session. And I was a little bit hesitant because, you know, just anything medical makes me anxious, right? And but I am 50 this year and knew I had to go for a mammogram and I got thinking, well, why wouldn't I get additional information around it? And and it may actually make it easier to go for a mammogram knowing I already have this knowledge about my breasts mm -hmm. and are doing um, some things to help um, lessen my risk. So uh, I think more empowerment can only be a good thing. You know, what people want to do with it um, is up to them. But being in the know, at first it can be scary, but you're right. Why, why get to the point of disease when you recognize, okay, maybe there's some things I can be doing to lower my risk here. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with where our medical system is today, and I mean, it's, it's openly known, um, and I, you know, kudos to the doctor here in Moncton that just recently, you know, shared on social media kind of where we're at um, again and, and not to bring in that fear of that piece, because one of the things that I want to make sure, Dana, too, that the, your listeners understand is that I will not drive forward with fear based for people. I, people live in so much fear today. And fear, it's true. Oh my goodness. Fear has such a huge impact on the body. It does. Your cells listen and respond to everything you take in. And I'm talking people you surround yourself with, the things you watch on TV, the music you listen to, the books you read, all that stuff, your cells respond to that. And, you know, you can Google Dr. Joe Dispenza. He is a neurologist. Um, he's done countless studies on this. Uh, he's got the science to back it up that shows exactly what the cells do when you're in a meditative state versus a fear state. And it's astounding. So, you know, one of the things that I want to make sure that I'm doing is always empowering people with the tools. And there's going to be a lot of education coming. I'm working on some really great things this summer, um, you know, that will kind of change the dynamics a little bit starting in September. So a lot more education a lot more events that are fun, right, for people to be able to learn mm -hmm. in. Um, and, you know, we'll obviously continue with thermography. And there's a few other things that we're doing to really help women go forward and their spouses as well, too. Um, and it's got to be about empowerment. It's got to be about sharing that education, the knowledge that's out there that empowers people to step into their health. Because, again, for far too long, we've thought that, oh, well, you know, if something happens to me, I'll just go to the doctor. It is not your doctor's responsibility to look after your health. It is yours. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is that there are additional tools out there and resources to help you. And for me, yes, I really am passionate about helping women with their breast health. Um, but when you help people with their breast health, it actually helps them with their other overall health as well, too, because as I said earlier, sure. there's so many aspects of your body that will impact your overall breast health. So mm. as you're learning about how to take care of your breast health, you will also be learning how to take care of the rest of your body, because, again, there's so many other factors. It's like it's like, you know, somebody has a pain somewhere. Will they take a pill? Well, that pain that's showing up 
chances are it's not the root cause of what's causing the pain. So you take a pill to mask what the root cause is. Well, I want to help women. I want to connect women with people, resources, tools, additional tools, you know, to help connect them back to having healthy breasts instead of the fear around going for a mammogram. You know, I remember going for my mammograms as well too. And, you know, after I had the thermography done, you know, six months later, there was another, you know, mammogram ultrasound. And, you know, I just went for my final ultrasound because there, there was a fibrodemia that showed up. So basically that's a cyst that has dried up and it was a hard lump. And I was like, Oh gosh, here we go. (laughs) But right. You know, again, you know, I just, I had my final, you know, ultrasound when I went for it, I, I felt confident more confident than I had before, before when I was going for them before thermography, I was terrified. And, you know, once you learned that, you know, they would say, well, things are great. You walked out of there thinking, oh, great. You know, I dodged that bullet for another year. Right. And it's just for a year because we, we just, we don't want to hear anything else other than we're great. And we get that. We kind of put it to the back of our minds for a little while. Right. We do. And we get get uh, complacent. Uh, yeah, and I and I I, t- I totally agree that you know it's our our health is our responsibility. Yeah, it's not our doctors. You know, so this idea of getting more empowerment is great. So let's dive in a little bit about you know the thermography scan. So I'll, first of all, I'll tell people from my perspective, you know, it's not invasive. There's no, y- your hands aren't on you. It's just a a a video. Um, that takes this, this imaging. So it doesn't hurt. It's, it's easy. It's, it's quick. Uh, But in the results that you get back, you get five categories of risk assessment and each breast is assessed differently. So you can actually see if there's stuff going on. So when you had your thermography scan, what were, can you talk about the risk levels and what you did and how, how that changed your risk for breast disease as a result of knowing this? Sure. Absolutely. So I was, my left breast was in the, so getting back to what you're saying, sorry, I, I, I get so passionate, I jump right ahead. Um, no, go for so it. there are five levels and it, it is a T you're rated a TH1 to a TH5 and a TH1 is very low risk and a TH5 is very high risk. And high risk doesn't mean you have breast cancer. It just means very high, um, what it just greater chances of getting breast disease, not even necessarily breast cancer per se. Right, exactly. And so when we say breast disease, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into breast disease, right? And again, we're not saying that you, you know, that you will develop breast cancer because remember, thermography cannot detect breast cancer. Right. You still need to get your mammogram. You still have to have your structural testing done. And structural testing is your mammogram or your ultrasound. Or ultrasound. Because See, thermography looks at, and I'm going to give, I'm going to give an example here. Thermography looks at the functional side. So Mm -hmm. a functional test means will happen. A structural test means already happened. So a structural test is looking for structural change. The lump. It's already there. It's already there. Okay. And hopefully by the time we see you, right, it's, it's that will happen if something doesn't change. So when you see higher levels of inflammation in the body or you see fiber, you know, things that are suggestive of fibrocystic breast disease or um, hormonal influence, 
that is your, like your car with the check engine light that says, uh oh, I'm starting to not feel so well. You need to take me in for a tune up. Right. So those are those areas of opportunity where we can help you working with, you know, other practitioners to help you course correct that. Right. So when you are a T5, which is very high risk, you know, we're sounding the alarm bells when you're a TH5 because a TH5 is very high risk for breast disease to potentially be there or develop. So out of curiosity, were you in that higher risk category when you got your results? I was not. I was not. I was in a T3, which is medium risk. Okay. And for me, I'll be honest with you. When I seen that medium risk, I'm like, oh, hell no. (laughs) "Ah, (laughs) No, we are not doing this. (laughs) Yeah. So then what did you do to shift it? So what I did is I worked with my homeopathic doctor and I also went to my, so I had to, I had my naturopathic uh, doctor that I work with and I went to my homeopathic doctor. I personally love both, but I went to my naturopath to get further blood work done. Um, then I also went to my homeopathic doctor and, you know, presented all my blood results, presented my thermography scans and said, help me. Mm-hmm. And so over the course of, you know, two years, right, we had to get a lot of stuff under control. So remember, I had gut health issues, cortisol and adrenal level issues that were off the charts because I was stuck in that fight or flight mode for so long. Um, I had thyroid issues, right? I had fibrocystic breasts, which, you know, growing up, I was always told, you know, oh, you're fine. You've got, you know, you got lumpy breasts like your mom, right? Or, you know, my mom would say that, God love her. Um, Or, you know, you'd go to the doctor and they do the breast exam. They'd be just, oh yeah, you just got cystic breasts. Well, I've learned through some of the doctors I work with, that's not okay, right? There's like fibrocystic breast disease, there's four different stages of it and, you know, left untreated or left that it, you know, you're not doing anything to help support your breast tissue. It absolutely can turn into breast cancer. So if you knew that you had fibrocystic breast, would you not want to get ahead of that so that you don't, you know, potentially end up with breast cancer, you know, eight, 10 years down the road? Right. Cause it, it doesn't mean that that would happen, but there, these are indicators that there could be, right you're heading toward a, a disease stage of, of your breast. Exactly. So, and again, sometimes Dana, it's lifestyle changes, right? So for me oh, to sure. answer your question specifically, I worked with the homeopath and of course, you know, he took in a lot of intake information on me. We worked on a lot of things. I also had to get my stress levels under control. I was not exercising. Um, I mean, I'd go for walks, right, to, to try to keep my mental stability there. And for me, but not really, no, moving your body in a way that I guess you know, get, doing what I guess we're always told to do. Exactly. Move our bodies. exactly. So you know, I wasn't keeping my lymphatic system going, and I mean that we could do a whole other show on lymphatics, but. Yes, because we did talk about that because I said I bought a rebounder because I had interviewed Chris Wark who had healed himself from cancer yeah. and he talked about it. Then I heard it from different another place or two and then you mentioned it. And I'm like, I have one. <laughs> and of course I used it for a while then and then stopped. And then of course after I, I was preparing or before I was preparing for my thermography scan, I'm like, and we're bouncing and we're bouncing. And it's just this small trampoline that you can use to help yeah. 
I, you know, it's exercise in, in, in any form. So I, it ends up moving all sorts of things around in your body and, and it helps build um, some muscle strength and all sorts of things. But for some reason, I've been hearing this a lot. And that's one of the things that you talked about too. Yeah, I'm very passionate about the rebounders. Um, very passionate about lymphatics, right? And again, these are some of the things that I wish that, you know, I had been taught. Like, so, you know, health sure. classes, right? I mean, we, we didn't learn about anything like that. Never heard anything about a rebounder or even lymphatic uh, fluids right. or tissue. Exactly. Would know what to do. With and, it. you know, just a little tidbit of information for your listeners. Um, you know, again, I've done a whole video series on lymphatics, but just a, just a real quick piece before I go back to explain thermography a little bit better and how it works in the body and why we see what we see um, is that your lymphatic system, you know, you have more lymph fluid than you have blood and your lymphatic system is incredible how it works and all the lymph nodes, how it all works together. And it, you know, addresses toxins in the body, et cetera. But here's the key piece for your listeners to understand how important exercising and bouncing or getting the sweat moving and making sure that your breasts are moving. Ladies, please get your breasts out of those underwire bras that keep your breasts so locked and loaded against your skin because those are hurting you so much. Um, because it holds your breasts tight. Your breasts are meant to move. Your lymphatic system, when there is overload of toxins happening in the body, which we do because of, you know, the environment we live in now and the foods and all that, you know, stuff, you always have toxins like hitting, hitting you. But what happens is that your lymphatic system, when it gets overloaded like that, it'll just send those additional toxins to your breast tissue. And here's the reason why. Your breast, the, the body is always protecting itself. And to the body, your breasts are not a vital organ. It is on the outside of the body. So remember, it's protecting itself. So it's going to send it there. And because it's fatty tissue, it will send those toxins to your breast. If your breasts are not moving, and here's the key, the only way that lymphatics can continuously move more and more is through muscle engagement. Okay, it has to have that muscle engagement in order to keep moving. So, so what would that look like for, for breasts then? Right. So if your breasts are not moving because you've got... You mean flopping? What's that? <laughs> do, you mean, do you mean flopping? Like we have to make them jump? No, you don't, have to make them, you don't have to make them, you know, completely jump. Although I am a very big proponent of that rebounder and, you know, bouncing on the rebounder with yeah, no ball on because again, it's incredible ladies, how your breasts feel once you get going, I will be honest with you yeah. at the very beginning, when I started, you know, for the first two or three minutes, I was like, Oh my gosh, my breast feels like there's needles going through them. So I would just hold, I would hold them in my hands gently, like over my shirt. And I would start on the rebound. I remember I told you there's a little <laughs> bit of fun that we have here. So, you know, I'm bouncing, but then after a few minutes, you start to release them. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, this feels so good on my breast. And the reason why is because all of a sudden now there's more blood flow and oxygen going to your breast tissue than you ever have had before. And I'm telling you, it feels so friggin' good. <laughs> it does. And the rebounder is fun. I've got to say it. Like I put on, I do like 10 minutes uh, before I do yoga or after and just put on like three songs or four songs and just bounce away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you can kind of dance and jump. It's an easy way to get some exercise in. It's doing a whole bunch of different well, things. Well, and it is. And Dina, it's not just for your breast health, okay? But it's also sure. because 
all of my research, just if the listeners want to do the research as well, um, all my research comes from NASA on the rebounders. And NASA, this is what they use for the astronauts when they come back from from being in space. Because number one, their lymphatic system, there's no muscle engagement because remember, there's no gravity. So their lymphatic system is very congested. Number one, number two, they lose bone density while they're there. Rebounders scientifically have been proven and shown to increase bone density, as well as when you start bouncing on the, on the rebounder, all cells in your body, every single cell is engaged at the exact same time. And all 650 plus muscle groups are engaged at the exact same time. Yeah, it's actually amazing how much is going on because there's stability in your ankles, your knees, um, your twi- you can twist, you can move your hands over your head. It actually is amazing. It's like, you know, being able to do a jumping jack. And I said to you, well, why, why don't I just do jumping jacks? She goes, well, can you do it for the, for 10 minutes? I'm like, good point. Right. <laughs> and the other thing is, it's an easy thing. It to is. Do. And it's really easy on your joints. Okay. Because I'll tell you, True. I've had, you know, some issues with my knees over the years. And I'll tell you on hard floor. I can't do jumping jacks because my knees hurt, but I can get on the rebounder and I can do jumping jacks for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. But it's also working everything else at the same time. Now I've had, you know, clients say to me, well, Catherine, you know, I don't have time. So here's Uh, the biggest lie we tell ourselves. Oh my gosh. It is the biggest lie. So I always share with people this two things. One, if you don't make time for your health, you're going to make time for disease. Number one. Yeah. Number two, um, if you have time to watch TV, you have time to rebound. You could do it while you watch TV. Exactly. <laughs> it's that easy. It's that easy. You know, one of the things that I do now while I rebound is I'm always, of course, I'm a person that always loves to learn. Well, guess what? I listen to a podcast or I put on motivational speakers like Tony Robbins because I'm constantly learning from him or some yeah. of the doctors that I follow. They have great YouTube videos out there, right? So it's interesting for me. So if somebody's watching, you know, you're binge watching something on Netflix, don't allow yourself to be able to watch that until you're on your rebounder. Yeah. And if anybody loves to dance, let's oh. say put on music, it's the funnest it thing is. to do. Absolutely. Really, you can twist, you yep. can, you can bounce around in a circle. You and, and I have one where it actually has a handle. So if you want to hold on to it, you can yes. give yourself some stability. So there's all sorts of options out there. But I've just recently got onto this rebounding business. And I thought, yeah, this is an easy way to get your exercise in, like to move your body. Yep. Like, don't think of it as a chore. Think of it as fun. It's, it's fun. It is. And you're helping your health, you're helping your bone density. And again, Again, another plug, right? If you, once you start losing bone density, you can't get it back. Yeah. yeah. So as you age, and I'm going to give you an example, Dana, because, oh, I just love, love, love this one client of mine. I love them all, but this one client, she inspires me. She is 91 years old and she is in the best shape. I, it blows me away. I want to be her. She's my inspiration for when I'm, when I turn 91, when she was 56 years old, she was on handfuls of pills. She was so sick. She told me, she said, I used to lay on my couch and wait to die because I was so sick and I wasn't getting any better. And they just kept giving me more pills, more pills, more pills, more pills. So she said, finally, one day, now she remembers she was 56. And she said, finally, she was overweight. She just had all these health issues. And she just said, finally, one day I went, well, hell, I'm not going home anytime soon because he's not taking me home. So I need to do something different. So she started, right? 
small steps, but every day she kept going, but she got herself a rebounder. Oh, really? Okay. So remember, she's 91 now. (laughs) So this was like 30 years ago? Yeah. So interestingly enough, she's now 91. She takes no medication. She takes a few vitamins, shakes her vitamin D and a few other things. She rebounds every single day, walks 10 kilometers every day. Wow. She gardens. She's She takes ballroom dancing. You have to see her. When I hug her, it's like hugging this big hard log because she's so muscular. Wow. Wow. She is. And she's in the best health of her life. Right. So here's an example of somebody who, you know, was 56 and now she's 91 and she's just living her best life. She's just having a blast. Um, so again, you know, and I know people understand that exercise is good for you, but for me, I always knew that exercise was good for me, but I didn't understand the deeper why. And now that I understand the deeper why, I am, I'll be honest with you. I'm addicted to exercising now. I really am. I wake up in the morning and that's the first thing I do. And I look forward to it. And when something happens that puts me out of my groove that I didn't get my exercise in in the morning, I'm not happy. (laughs) I have, well, it does impact your mood too. I know if I'm, you know, that's usually if I, if I'm going to move my body, it's in the morning before the day gets going and you don't have to think about it anymore, but it actually, makes you feel good. Like you're moving yeah. stuff through your body and doing, doing all that. I mean, it's, it is really, really good. It really is. So, yeah, I mean, and, and it seems like so much of what we're talking about is what we hear through the years is lifestyle changes. And we see how this impacts everything, but we're talking specifically about breast health. And I'm curious, cause you talked about underwire bras, talk about the things that aren't helpful for breasts and things that are helpful. So w- what's not helpful for breasts? Underwire bras, you don't like? Oh, them. I don't. Only because, again, the one of the main uh, pumps and the highway for one of the key lymphatics for the breast tissue is exactly right where the wires sit up against your bra. Your right. And, and what is it that by pressing on it, it's reducing the flow of the lymphatic? Well, it's just, it's hot, right? Fluid? And it's keeping your breasts so tight that your breasts are not vibrating. They're not moving when you walk. So oftentimes people say, okay, well, no underwire bras, Catherine. So what do I do? I'm going to tell you a really great sports bra. And not a tight one, because there are women that wear these sports bras that, oh my goodness, they are so tight. And then they hurt their necks, right? So, yeah. um, but, you know, get yourself a, a good supportive uh, sports bra, but one that when you're walking, you feel your breast jiggle. Because again, that is still muscle engagement that's happening. Okay. So even if you're walking around the office or you're walking wherever, you have a bra that allows movement. Exactly. And don't be embarrassed by that, right? And again... Yeah, I see. I think we live in this uh, beautified society where you're perky and... uh, Talked about perky breasts because you you said you've heard this from (laughs) women that they want perky breasts, but you said, is it the underwire bra that's actually not making, doing the opposite of what we want? How do we get perky breasts? This is is so (laughs) much fun. And I love talking about this because again, we have been sold a bill of goods, um, you know, and conditioned to believe that in order to have perky breasts as we age, you know, we must keep them up and, you know, yeah. in these underwire bras or in these bras that really squish them together. And, you know, we're going to have nice perky breasts as we age. I am so sorry to tell your listeners that you are going to have saggy breasts, my friends. I promise you. <laughs> because, again, no muscle engagement. So when you don't use muscles, what happens as you age? Mm. Right. And you have chest and breast muscles. 
ladies, I am turning 51 this month and I'm going to tell you, I, my breasts are perkier now than they were when I was in my forties. Um, and it's, did you notice a difference? Uh, just because as a result of what doing the rebounding, just exercising in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I'm yeah. turning 51. I, you know, had a really bad accident when I was six years old. I've, you know, I'm clumsy because I go, go, go. And, you know, I've had all those great accidents, broken bones through my life, et cetera. Um, and I'm 51. I have zero arthritis. I have zero aches and pains in my joints. Um, I'm just living life. And I'll tell you, I've got more energy now than I think I did have in my forties. Um, I'm feeling so much better, but again, it's because yeah. of all the things that I'm doing. Right. And yeah. And again, if you want perky breasts, get those breasts moving, um, mm-hmm. you know, through rebounding through, um, you know, push-ups, if you can do push-ups, right. Cause that helps the breast muscles as well. Sure. Weightlifting is so key when you turn, you know, between your fifties and, you know, fifties and up weightlifting is huge because again, the studies and everything I talk about, like strength training, not becoming a bodybuilder, not becoming a bodybuilder. <laughs> no, like women will say to so, them, just some resistance. Yeah. They'll say, look, I don't want to be, you know, buff. And it, it's not about that, but here's what happens to your body as you age. And we go into a different season, right? And that season is, is that the body goes, Oh, you know what? I'm done having kids. Um, I'm done having to, you know, lug and lift and all these things. So now the body shifts into a different phase. When you start resistance training or using weights, your body, you're sending a signal to your body that says, oh, oh, I'm not done yet, I guess. Right. So again, you're building the muscle. And as you build the muscle, um, you know, you also have to make sure that you're giving yourself some amino acids because as we age, our amino acids reduce. But the key is too, is that the body has a harder time with digesting the protein. So it'll start taking stuff from the muscle, right? So you have to make sure that your protein levels are high as well too. And again, I'm not the expert on this. This is just, you know, some of the learnings that I, I have undertaken to keep me in a state where I can continue exercising. Cause it, again, it is so very, very important for your breast health. Um, and I can say for, you know, I've felt like, you know, Anytime I engage with a naturopath, I learn more. Like I'm in, you know, just started seeing one again, and um, it, just the the information around, you know, specific to my own body and what I'm trying to achieve as I, you know, to age well. It, you know, they have all this information and it can make it custom to you um, as well. So we talk about lifestyle and underwire bra, you know, get that lymphatic <laughs> tissue moving. Let's talk briefly about coffee and alcohol. Oh. Absolutely. No, this is the point where you take all our fun away. (laughs) Give you fun, but I take the fun away. I know. Um, So, Uh, how does that impact our breath? Yeah. So, interestingly enough, again, as I started my journey three years ago into this, um, when I learned that coffee, if you have high levels of estrogen, which is what I had, um, too much coffee, regardless if you have high estrogen or not, too much coffee is not good for your breast tissue because um, it looks at it as it can convert it as bad estrogen. Okay. So too much coffee. And I know people will roll their eyes at this one. Yeah, I know. (laughs) There is scientific proof out there on this one as well too. And I'm happy to send it to anybody who wants it. 
It's not like we haven't heard it before, but it feels like, geez, do we not get any fun in this lifetime? I know a cup of coffee. (laughs) But here's the thing, um, Dana, too, right? Is that if your body is in a state where mine was, right? High, you know, cortisol levels, you know, my poor adrenals were maxed out. You know, my thyroid was, you know, failing my gut health. Like I was just a, a train wreck waiting to happen. So for me, yeah, coffee was absolutely not my friend at that time because it was it was impacting my breast health as well as well as my gut health. Now, having said that, um, you know, everything in moderation, right? Right. Um, but but you're making a good point, Kathy, because you said where I was, right. you were in a point where you had to heal. There was something that needed to be healed. And so anytime you're, you have to think about your body only has so much energy, yeah. you know, to do everything you can to get it to heal. Um, and But I think you're right. If you're doing all the other things, you know, you have your odd cup of coffee and enjoying it here and there, your body's in a different place when it's healed and strong and working it, working the way it should. But if you're sick, you know, give it a little hand here. That's right. And again, (laughs) it's about prevention, right? I didn't want to go into disease management because Dana, the two paths, right? There's always two roads in life. And I know we've all seen these pictures, right? You know, choose this path, choose this path. Um, I didn't want to get my body or let my body get to the point where now I was faced with disease management because disease management is a very different picture than prevention. Prevention is about, gosh, you know what? You've got the opportunity to heal your body. Number one, you're meeting new people and practitioners that just blow your mind and you learn more things. You become more in tune with your own body. You become more in tune with your own emotions. You become more in tune with what it is that you want and what you desire out of life versus disease management. You're in fear. You are placed in that immediate fear that you're going to die. And I'm going to say right here, that's that's where your brain goes, that you're going to die. Oh, yeah. You are, that was the first stop, right? Right. And you are in the disease management phase of, I've talked to these women that come here that are in breast cancer. God bless their hearts and souls. They, they share with me to help me on my education as well. You know, they say things like, Catherine... I knew I wasn't feeling good. I just kept going, right? And, and if I had to did this, maybe, maybe, maybe. And I'm like, well, you can't maybe. But at the same time, they share with me, you know, my days are filled with doctor's appointments, tests, um, sickness from, you know, chemo, radiation, right? Things of that nature. So when you look at those two roads, you know, it's inevitable that we're going to pass away someday. That's inevitable. Right. But what is the road that you're going to journey when the, to the, towards that day that comes, right? For me, I want to live it to the best of my ability. I want to live it as healthy as I can. I want to, you know, experience and do adventures and you know, all those great things. Sure. I don't want to spend my days in disease management. And for those people who also, you know, are listening that maybe are just starting on that health journey or maybe just recognizing that there are naturopathic and homeopathic doctors and osteopaths and chiropractors and acupuncturists that can help them. Um, You know, I say to you, embrace that and be excited about the journey of healing because there's so many blessings in that Mm. um, versus that fear base. Um, yeah, you know, so that's, that's just so important. It is for me, Dana. And for those people that are listening that, you know, also are feeling called 
that there might maybe something off in the body, you know, pay attention to that because back to your point where I was with the coffee and the alcohol, it was not my friend and it was doing more damage to me. And, you know, I loved my red wine coming from a corporate world and my wine and dine. Yeah. Because my response and deal with stress. My responsibility was dealing with clients, our clients. They were, they were my responsibility. So yes, you are constantly on a plane. You're in a different country, but you were always whining and dining. And so the habit became, you know, geez, every night, you know, during the week, there would be two or three glasses of wine on the weekend. You'd have, you know, more wine. Um, So you get yourself into this cyclical pattern that you don't even realize that's now impacting your tissue. That's impacting your gut health. And remember, gut health is linked to so many other things. And when you hear those sayings where people say, you know, the gut health is kind of like your second brain. Um, It's it's so true because the more that I learn, the more I'm flabbergasted at how much the gut health controls all the other systems in the body. It's astounding. Mm. So, you know, when people say to me, I've had one lady say to me before, she goes, I want to come for a thermography scan, but I don't want to give up my wine. (laughs) (laughs) FYI in advance. Yeah. And so, you know, so I said to her, I'm like, do you already, you obviously already feel like you drink too much wine. And she's like, I do. And I don't want someone to tell me that. And, you know, so we've, we laughed about it, but, you know, I also said to her, look, there's no judgment and there really isn't Dana. You know, I want people to know that I'm as human as everybody else. And there is no judgment. I mean, I've, I could tell you stories that would probably make your hair fall out of things that, you know, I've done and, you know, what have you, but we're all human beings and we're here to experience. It's for me though, it's, I'm tired of watching people that I love and care about and people that in general, because I'm very much an empath and I love people. I'm just so tired of seeing people be in that distraught state of disease management and knowing that there are other things that can empower them to step back into their power with their health. It's, we do not have to give our power away and wait for that disease to happen to go to our doctors. And and it's important to note that we're lucky that we have a you know a good medical Absolutely. system. We have a place to go. Absolutely. And and but one of the things, even as uh, you know, I can't say aging, just as I become more and more interested in my own health, is recognizing there are additional things, tools, ideas that we can learn and adopt. Um, you know, just even my eating. I I know for. Um, years you'd hear about, you know, better eating. And do, and I'm like, I didn't even really know what that was other than whatever the canned food guide is that everybody was pushing. But but beyond lifestyle, we have people like yourself who have tools. There's naturopaths. There's, and there's more that I don't even know about. Um, so I think that's the empowering part is that there are other ways that you can get more information about your body. Right. And um, unfortunately, sometimes those things are not covered. Um you know, people are paying out of pocket, but you know, when people are really trying to get themselves on a path of health, or they know, like you said, they know something's off and they want to figure this out. I don't think anything will stop you when you're trying to, um, to get there. So it's just so important that we have so many resources and access 
access to things. We just, you know, that's really the the point of this conversation today is to recognize for, for people who want more additional information about their bodies, um, thermography um, is a, now a new option here in the in the Atlantic Canada. So Right. And you hit on a very good point that I would like to uh, share with your listeners too, is that thermography, although it's new here in the Atlantic provinces, it's not new. It's not new. I've heard of it before, but I just, you know, never went to it or I just heard of it and knew, I knew about it. But until I met you and we yeah. got to have a conversation, I didn't even recognize what it could right. do yeah. uh, for you. And, you know. you know, here's a visual that I will give your listeners to understand how thermography works. Um, we follow a very strict guideline of, you know, there are certain things you have to do and not do before you come for your appointment. Um, because we want to make sure that what we're seeing as far as the heat, i.e. inflammation in the body, is true. And then, of course, yes. when you come into my clinic, we have to keep the temperature at a you know very consistent state so that your body has the opportunity to cool down. So there's a lot of guidelines. There's over 800 peer-reviewed studies on thermography. Um, so how thermography works is like this. If your listeners, any of you who have ever put on a fire in a fireplace or a furnace, you know that you have to open up the draft, which allows cold air in, in order for the flames to shoot up, okay? Or if you light a match by a window, the flame will always track itself out to the, the window because the colder, it's because it's colder air out there, okay? Thermography works much the same. Your body, again, is always protecting itself. It is very intelligent. Where there is inflammation, it is trying to push that inflammation out of the body. So where is the coldest spot on the body? The skin. So that heat, as it's pushing, it's trying to get it out of your body. <laughs> it's pushing it out. It's pushing it out to the skin, which is where then we see the patterns that will show up. And so why don't you tell what people can expect? Because um, we do the scan and then we do this cold, I call it cold water <laughs> yeah. challenge, and then we do another scan. So there's this comparison that happens. Yeah. So you, you do the scan and then explain about the cold. Sure. Piece. So we, um, so I'm going to caveat first though, we offer full body scans. We offer individual right. scans, not just breast, but again, the breast piece is my, you know, my main focus. Um, so when you come for a breast scan, you will cool down in the room for 15 minutes, undressed from the waist up. We make sure that, you know, we tell you not to place your arms along your skin. You're kind of sitting there with your arms open, if you will. Um, and then we do two sets of images. So the first set of images are after you've cooled down for 15 minutes. We do a frontal 45 degree angle and a 90 degree angle on both sides of your breast. Then we do the cold water challenge. And the cold water challenge is where you put your hands in 10 degree water for 60 seconds. And that is very important because basically what's happening is your body thinks it's going into hypothermia. You're not. But when your body goes into hypothermia, it stops sending blood flow to the extremities, which is, you know, your arms and your legs, et cetera, and only to your organs. Unless, of course, there's something else going on that's being fed the blood. Because remember, tumors or anything like that will always be fed blood first before any other organ in the body. So basically what we're doing with the cold water is that we're putting your body into that hypothermic state. 
Because what we want to see is that your blood vessels from the first set of images to the second set of images have closed. So after that cold water challenge is done, after that 60 seconds, you'll sit in the chair for another three minutes to allow the body to do what it needs to do. During that time, I'm also doing a visual breast exam. I then take all the information. I put it into the system um, for the doctors in Toronto. And then after that, we do the same set of images over again. Again, doing the comparison before and after. And that tells you what? It show, that it shows you where there um, is hormonal influence, where there is yeah, and, what, what and is it, it looking and for? And it doesn't tell me. So I want to make sure your listeners understand. I, right. I'm a scanning yeah. technician. I do the scanning. And then the scans then are sent to, you know, Dr. Alexander Mostovoy and his team that do the reading of what's happening. So when they get the scans, right, it looks, you know, much different because it's all very condensed on our end. And then they do their work. And I don't know. Right. You can't tell anything at the moment. You just do the, the, you do the scan, you send it off to the people who actually read them, and then you make an appointment uh, a week or two later to have the results. And you go through them in detail about what your risk assessed, yeah. you know, what came back, what was, what, what information was. Revealed. Exactly. And then so you get a copy of that. Um, and before you leave the appointment, you come to get your scan done, we set up your follow-up appointment and you don't come back into the clinic to have to have that done. You, we do that online so that I can bring your scans up on my screen and walk you through what your report is saying and explain that to you. Yeah, it, it's a, it's an easy process. Um, I was glad to do it because um, I was considering not doing it just because of my own anxiousness <laughs> around breast health. And you're like, okay. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Um, and I'm glad I did because I, I feel empowered. At least I have uh, some information when I go into my first mammogram, I don't feel, I don't think I'll feel as anxious other than the idea of actually having to do it. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about a lot of different things today. Uh, is there, what is it that you really want women to know about the healthy breast movement? What, what is it that you want them to know how to, about how to keep healthy breasts? What do you want them to know? I want them to know that they have so much more power than what they've been led to believe. And we shouldn't fear breast cancer because there's so much information out there to help us be proactive and preventative. Hmm. Um, I want them to know that, you know, we're creating an environment here where it's about, you know, the healthy breast movement, but also about connecting them to resources, to different people, if they want to take that more proactive approach. Um, certainly by no means are we saying that, you know, we, we deal with breast cancer. We just don't, right? I mean, we are dealing with how is your breast functioning? Right. Um, and that does not negate going for your structural test, mammogram or ultrasound. And don't let anybody ever tell you that because we unfortunately had clinics out there, not our clinics, but other companies say things like that to women. And that is not true. Mm -hmm. Your breasts are functioning. So your body is functioning one way. And then you're structurally, your, your body's is, is, you know, functioning a different way, right? So having both of those, a structural test and a functional test is your best defense against breast cancer. I guess that's what I want to share with women, right? Having both of those testings done, you're always then guaranteed 
you know, that your structural test, if it comes back great, and then your functional test, then you know if there's actually anything that is happening. Because again, based on a study that the American Cancer Society did, it takes six to eight years for a lump to show up that's the size that's detectable um, in a structural exam. So leave, you know, kind of wrapping this up for women is just, it's going to be, you know, I'm not perfect, (laughs) but it's going to be exciting. We're going to have a lot of fun as we move forward and, you know, really start helping to educate women on the healthy breast movement and empowering them because our breasts are very important. And I want women to start, you know, really thinking about their breast because they are a very key part of you. And there's so much more than just stuffing them in a bra and your, your significant other's play toy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if that's, you know, if there's anything people are walking away with, um, it's, it's to think about your breasts in a different yeah. way than we have before. We have, like you say, we haven't been taught that to, to even think about them as something that we should take care of per se. And, um, as you said, I'll paraphrase you that, you know, deal with disease with fear or prevention with joy. Um, you said, put some fun into it. We, there are some things that we can do as we're always told with our health in advance of whether it's breast health or anything else that the things that we can do, lifestyle changes, um, look at our stress, all all sorts of things. So if anything that, that, you know, going for a thermography scan, having this conversation with you today, hopefully has shed some light and maybe make people think a little bit differently about their breast health. Um, and um, if you want to know more, you can certainly follow you online on Instagram and Facebook. And your your clinic name is Thermography Clinic NB. And that's your, is that the best, what's the best way for people to reach you um, on their website or your social media? Both? Yeah, whichever way best suits people, because some people have preferences. So, you know, again, they can contact us you know, through phone at 506-999-6302. They can go to the website, thermographyclinicnb.com. I am on social media, same thing, thermographyclinicnb on Facebook and Instagram. They can reach us in any which way that they would like. They can also book online when they go to my website. And just a caveat, just to let people know, there is a brand new website that's coming because we are uh, undertaking a rebrand this summer. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, having much more, Um, many more tools and opportunities for people to be able to engage in this healthy breast movement starting in September. Yeah. Well, this has been an enlightening conversation and for anything around breast, like you say, we normally have scare around it. We had fun and I feel empowered. Hope other people do too. So I thank you for your time and sharing your knowledge. And um, yeah, this was, this was great. Thank you, Dana, so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, me too. That was such a great conversation. If you loved it too, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at Coach Dana underscore Lloyd, and of course on LinkedIn. See you next week.